Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 8 of the Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. Chapter 4 of Religious Fasting, Section 1, The Nature of and Reasons for Religious Fasting. The fast which I mentioned in the former chapter, of which I am now to treat, is a religious fast which is sanctifying a day to the Lord by a willing abstinence from meat and drink from delights and worldly labors, that the whole man may be more thoroughly humbled before God and more fervent in prayer. This fast has two parts, the one outward, the chastening of the body, the other inward, the afflicting of the soul, under which are contained all those religious acts which concern the setting of the heart right towards God and the seeking help of God for those things for which the fast is intended. Take fasting strictly for bodily abstinence, so it is an indifferent thing and is no part of God's worship. But take it as it is joined with the inward part and is referred to a religious end being a profession of an extraordinary humiliation. And it is a great assistance to a man's spiritual and reasonable service of God, giving a stronger and speedier wing to prayer, which must always go with it. Ezra 8.23, Psalm 35.13. So it is more than an ordinary worship. It has the name from the outward part, Mark 9, 29, 1 Corinthians 7, 5, Acts 8, 3. It being most sensible, but has its excellency and efficacy from the inward, being that for which the outward is observed. A fast is called public when a whole state or when any one public congregation doth fast. Private when one alone, one family, or some few together do fast. Public and private fasts have their warrant from the New Testament as well as from the Old, which shows that religious fasts were not peculiar to the Jews, but are a Christian duty belonging to all fitly qualified for them. In the sacred scriptures, we have manifold examples of private fasts and examples and commandment for public ones. Our Lord and Savior said that his disciples after his departure from them, should fast. Matthew 9.15, Matthew 6.16 and 17, and gives directions unto all 
concerning private fasts. The apostle speaks of husbands and wives abstaining from conjugal embraces, that they may give themselves to fasting and prayer. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. And we have repeated examples of the apostles and primitive Christians for religious fasts. Acts 8, 2, and 3. Acts 14, 23. All which prove fasting to be a Christian duty. The case of a person's self or family, the church, or commonwealth may be such that ordinary humiliation and prayer will not suffice. For as there were some devils that could not be cast out, but by fasting and prayer, Mark nine twenty nine. so it may be that such hardness of heart may be grown upon a person, or some sinful lusts may have gotten so much strength that they will not be subdued. Some evils, private and public, 1 Samuel 7, 5, 7, Judges 20, 18, and 23, compared with verse 26, which cannot be prevented or removed. Some special graces and blessings which shall not be obtained or continued, but with the most importunate seeking of God by fasting and prayer. Reasons for fasting. Fasting is contrary to that fullness of bread which makes both body and soul more disposed to vice and indisposed to religious duties through drowsiness of head, heaviness of heart, dullness and deadness of spirit. Now, these being removed and the dominion of the flesh subdued by fasting, the body will be brought into subjection to the soul and both body and soul to the will of God more readily than otherwise they would be. A day of fasting is a great assistance to the soul for the better performing of holy duties such as meditations, reading and hearing the word, prayer, examining, judging, and reforming a person's self, both because his spirits are better disposed when he is fasting to serious devotion and the mind being so long taken wholly off from the thoughts, cares, and pleasures of this life, he may be more intent and earnest in seeking of God. Fasting is an open profession of guiltiness before God and an expression of sorrow and humiliation, being a real acknowledgement of man's unworthiness, even of the common necessaries of this present life. But it is not enough that the body be chastened if the soul be not also afflicted. Isaiah 
58, 5. Because it is else but a mere bodily exercise, which profits little, nay, it is but an hypocritical fast, abhorred and condemned by God, frustrating a chief end of the fast, which is that the soul may be afflicted. Afflicting the soul works repentance, another chief end, and the companion of fasting. For godly sorrow causes repentance, never to be repented of. 2 Corinthians 7.10 When the soul is afflicted and heavy laden with sin, then a man will readily and earnestly seek after God, even as the sick do to the physician for health, and as a condemned man to the king for a pardon. In their affliction, saith God, they will seek me diligently. Hosea 5.15 If this be true of the outward, then much more of inward affliction. The afflicted soul is a fit object of God's mercy. To him doth God look that is poor and have a contrite spirit. Isaiah 66.2 that trembles at his word, yea, the bowels of his fatherly compassion are troubled for him. Jeremiah thirty-one twenty. Who is troubled and ashamed for his sin? Moreover, on a day of humiliation, if a man deal sincerely, this affliction of his soul drives him quite out of himself to seek help of God in Christ and makes him endeavor to bring his soul into such good frame that he may truly say he doth not regard iniquity in his heart. Psalm 66.18 And that his unfeigned purpose is and endeavor shall be to keep a good conscience toward God and man alway. Whence follows boldness and assurance through Christ Jesus, that God will be found of him, John fifteen seven, and that in God's own time and in the best manner, he shall have all his holy desires fulfilled. Who are to observe religious fasts? All whom lawful authority enjoins are to keep a public fast, Joel 1.14, so far as health will permit. These only may keep a private fast, first such as are of understanding. Else how can they search out their ways, judge themselves or pray? In public fasts, if authority think fit, Little children may be caused to fast, that the parents and others of understanding may, as by objects of misery, be stirred up to a more thorough humiliation. But in private, children and idiots are to be exempted. Secondly, novices and unexperienced Christians are not usually to fast in private. Such were Christ's disciples, Matthew 9, 14, 16, 17, Luke 5, 
33, 34, 35, etc. When exception was taken at our Savior because they fasted not, he excuses them. Not only that it was unreasonable to fast in a time of joy while he, the bridegroom, was with them, but because they were not able to bear so strong an exercise, they being like old vessels and old garments, which would be made worse rather than better by the new wine or new cloth of fasting. Strong physic is good, but not for babes. There is not the same reason why they may fast in private as in public, because the minister, by teaching them and by praying with them and for them, taketh from them the greatest part of the burden of the fast in private. Thirdly, all such as are not in their own power are not to keep a private fast when those under whose power they are shall expressly contradict it. For the husband might disallow the vow of his wife, even that wherewith she had bound herself to afflict her soul by fasting. Numbers 33, 8 and 13. Wherefore, none may fast against the will of those who have full power to command their service and attendance. This concludes episode 8 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk.